If you're in a situation now where you feel like eating is the only thing that makes you happy, it is important that you understand and address the underlying causes of your food mood relationship. I'm going to give you three things that you can do to experience happiness outside of food. You ready? You're listening to the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, episode 173. If it were possible to achieve your goal weight and stay there permanently without dieting? Welcome to the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, where you will discover the key components that most diets won't tell you because they want you to keep coming back. Not here. This is your last stop on the weight loss struggle bus. I am your host, Jennifer Dent Brown, life and weight loss coach, and I am going to show you how to stop dieting forever. Let's jump into today's episode. Hey, Luxlifer, welcome back to the podcast. And if you are new, welcome. This week, we are talking about food and happiness. And what do you do when eating just makes you happy? And the thought of not eating for the sake of weight loss makes you feel sad or maybe even anxious or nervous, or maybe even angry. So in today's episode, I'm going to break down the food-mood connection. And I'm going to give you three things that you can do to find happiness away from food. I like to call it non-food happiness. Whenever I think about eating and happiness and food, Remember uh, the musical Oliver and that song, Food, Glorious Food? (laughs) That always pops into my head because as a people, we love to eat. And Americans, we especially love to eat the sad way, right? The standard American diet. If you've never heard that term, look it up. But sad, standard American diet, is high in processed carbs, and very low in nutrition. So think about all of your favorite junky foods. They probably fall in the category of sad. And look, I am all for enjoying a really good, high-quality meal. Y'all know I talk about food when I have a really good meal. I'm happy to share it with you on the podcast. But there was a time when I used sad the standard American diet, those types of foods to change my mood. I took a minute to go back down memory lane and think about some of my favorite foods that I used to keep in the house when I was living by myself, before I got married, when I was struggling with my weight. Snackwell cookies. I used to buy them because I thought fat-free was the best, even though they didn't really taste that good. (laughs) I used to get the Snackwell cookies. And when I wanted really good cookies, I used to get the soft batch cookies. Do y'all remember the soft batch cookies from Keebler? I don't think they make those anymore, but those were always a winner. I used to love microwave popcorn, the movie theater style popcorn, because again, that fell under that quote unquote low fat category. So at the time I thought low fat eating was the best. Uts, barbecue potato chips. Now, when it comes to potato chips, barbecue is like my favorite flavor because it's like the salty and the sweet taste. 
Utz is a brand that I know is local to Philadelphia, this area. I don't know if it's like worldwide or not, but they have the best potato chips because they had little ripples and waves in them. And the barbecue seasoning was on point. I also used to enjoy anything with cheese. I used to like eat bread and cheese together or a low-carb tortilla with some cheese on it. I used to love cheese. Anything with cheese on it made me happy. Eating these foods, the chips, the soft batch cookies, the popcorn, eating those foods would make me happy. Now, looking back, and remember, I said these were the foods that I used to keep in the house when I was struggling to lose weight. I kept those foods around because I thought I needed food to make me happy, and I didn't know that food will never make me happy. At that time, I had no idea. I had coupons. I was like, ooh, soft-batch cookies, two for five. Yep, putting those in the cart. (laughs) I knew, like, logically, I knew that eating junk food wasn't going to help me lose weight, right? But in those moments when I was warming the cookies up in the microwave, I didn't really think or care about my weight loss goal. In that moment, the thought of not eating the cookie or not eating the popcorn made me feel worse than what I was already feeling. So of course, I was going to hit that start button turn on the microwave, and eat the junky food. At that time, I had nothing to lose. And so some of you very smart people may be listening and be like, okay, Jennifer, but why did you even bring the junk food into the house? Like if you didn't bring the junk food into your house, then you wouldn't have had this issue of eating the junk food. And some of you may believe that your best weight loss strategy is just to keep all of the junk food away from you, all of it out of the house. I used to try to subscribe to that, but like, I don't want to be scared of food. And I tell my clients this now, that when you learn my process, when you work with me, you will get to the point where you are unbothered by the food that's in the house. You are unbothered by the junk food in the cabinet because you may have other people in your house who really do enjoy cookies and who really do enjoy muffins and who enjoy potato chips. And so why should they suffer because you don't have any self-control? I want you as my client to get to the point where you are unbothered and you are not afraid to have this food, your trigger foods, your fun foods, your junky foods in the house. And it is 100% possible for that to happen. But back in the day, I was a victim of my bratty brain. Let me tell you what this looks like. Our bratty brains are very, very sneaky. Logically, I was like, yep, I could not have the junky food in the house. But I remember being in the grocery store and my thought was, well, I'm just going to bypass the snack aisle, right? If I just walk past the snack aisle, then I won't be tempted to put anything into my cart. But some unknown force <laughs> at that moment will pull me into the aisle like it would shift my shopping cart and it would make a hard left into the snack aisle. And I would tell myself, well, I better get at least one bag of chips in case I have company. 
because you never know, somebody may stop by and you got to have some snacks to offer them. I'm not going to eat them, but just in case, I'll have a snack that I can offer and that will be some barbecue potato chips, right? This is the conversation that's going on in my head in the grocery store. Maybe you can relate, right? What I just shared with you, those were a series of sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts. I call them SSSTs. So when you start bargaining with yourself, right, when you notice your brain starting to bargain with yourself so you can give yourself permission to eat, you are experiencing the sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts. And if you actually end up with food in your mouth because of those sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts, you are a victim of your sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts. So that is how the junky food ended up in the house. Listen, Sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts, they just cloud your judgment and they sabotage your best intentions every single time. Sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts will always tell you that it is okay to use food to feel better. Now, here is the problem with listening to your sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts. And when you do that and relying on eating to make you happy. So relying on eating as the primary source of happiness really does create a disordered relationship with food and it leads to emotional eating. Emotional eating is simply when we use food as a way to deal with an uncomfortable emotion. Now, I never, ever, ever considered myself to be an emotional eater. Emotional eating is when we use food as a way to deal with an uncomfortable emotion. This happens when we eat, not because we're physically hungry, but we're eating to soothe some emotional discomfort. Now, when I was struggling with my weight, when I was in the the height of my yo-yo dieting, I never described myself as an emotional eater. And you probably don't describe yourself as an emotional eater too. The only reason why I didn't describe myself as an emotional eater because I was simply unaware of the emotions that I was experiencing at any given moment in time. I was just like, oh, I just like food. I just like to eat. I just like Snackwell cookies. I just like Uts potato chips. I just really like movie theater popcorn. I was unaware of the emotions that I was experiencing, especially when I was choosing to eat the junky food in that moment. And I was a victim of my own sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts because I just didn't know better. I didn't know better. So I can't like judge myself or make myself feel badly about my past mistakes because I just didn't know better. Eating those junky foods in my house, in my apartment, in the hotel rooms that I stayed in back in the day, eating provided a temporary relief and it got my brain locked on that temporary feeling, right? That temporary feeling of like, oh, these cookies, these soft batch cookies out of the microwave are so good. Right, that temporary feeling, which gave me permission to eat over and over and over and over and over again. 
So let me break this down a little bit for you. Let me see if I can make this plain. Every time I responded to a sneaky self-sabotaging thought by putting food into my mouth, I reinforced the belief that eating makes me feel happy. Do you get it? Eating those Uts for barbecue potato chips makes me feel happy. What I was conveniently forgetting were the feelings that I experienced after the food was gone. After the cookies were gone, after the chip bag was empty, after the popcorn was gone, and there were only those little unpopped kernels in the bottom of the bag. I forgot how I felt after the food was gone. The happy feeling was quickly replaced with remorse and shame. And so then I'm left hanging, carrying around feelings of remorse, uh, feelings of shame, feelings of guilt. And it was, oh man, back to feeling crappy again and having to battle with my sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts that would cloud my judgment again. And so what would happen? Maybe not the same day, but definitely the next day, the junky food was going to end up in my mouth somehow. So... If you can relate to this and you're like, okay, Jennifer, how do I get out of this cycle? I know that eating doesn't make me happy, but I don't know what else to do. To move out of this food mood connection, it is imperative. It is 100% crucial that you understand that food happiness is just temporary. Food happiness is just temporary. It goes away so quickly. And this is not the happiness that you want to be experiencing because it's fleeting. And you don't want to have to depend on food to provide happiness for the rest of your life because you're going to end up being 600 pounds. If you're in a situation now where you feel like eating is the only thing that makes you happy, it is important that you understand and address the underlying causes of your food mood relationship. I'm going to give you three things that you can do to experience happiness outside of food, okay? You ready? The first one, you wanna get educated. I want you to educate yourself about what you're putting into your body. Understand what the standard American diet is, SAD. Go and Google it. And understand that SAD is not fueling your body and it is not supporting longevity. But what it is supporting is chronic inflammation, chronic diseases, sickness, a weakened immune system, disrupted sleep. The list goes on and on and on. The standard American diet is not helping you. So I want you to just understand what these food chemicals are doing when we consume a lot of them. Because once you understand that, that might be enough to quiet your bratty brain down and some of those sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts. Inside the Stop Dieting Forever program, I teach my clients how to eat real food and how to enjoy fun foods. And finding the proper balance is the key to losing weight without a diet and without the trauma. All right, that's the first thing you're going to do is get educated about what you're putting into your body. Start reading food labels, start understanding what these ingredients are, and understanding at a high level what you're consuming. Okay, the second thing you're going to do is get a life. 
Now, this may sound harsh, but getting a life is important because this is an opportunity for you to look at your life to see where you aren't being fulfilled and why are you using food to find fulfillment. So maybe it's getting a life, improving your relationships, whether these are your romantic relationships, your career relationships, your coworkers, the people that you spend a lot of time with, your work husband or your work wife, your work partner, your hobbies, finding a hobby, finding something that you like to do. How are you being fulfilled outside of taking care of your family? How are you being fulfilled outside of growing your business? How are you being fulfilled outside of your career? Get a life. And I'm not talking about Netflix and chill. I'm talking about doing something, having activities that really, really light your soul up and make you feel good where you're finding this fulfillment outside of food. All right, that's the second thing you're going to do. Third thing you're going to do, get coached. I can't say it enough. Get coached by a trained professional to help you figure out why non-food happiness seems so elusive. I didn't understand when I was in the the height of my weight struggles. I didn't understand the source of my sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts. I didn't even understand. I didn't even know what those sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts were until I worked with my own coaches. I had a health coach. I had a life coach. I didn't understand what was happening in my brain until I worked with a coach or coaches, I should say, that helped me identify what my sneaky self-sabotaging thoughts were. And I have to add, I got really good at the skill of self-coaching, but I couldn't have done that on my own. I needed to hire a trained professional to help me understand the emotional issues that were driving my reliance on food for happiness. Why did I feel compelled to go down the snack aisle every time I went into the grocery store and put the junky foods into my cart? Why did I feel compelled to end my workday with a bag of popcorn every single night? I have to say, working with coaches is the number one reason why I am such a good coach, because I have done so much of my own personal work and I can see exactly what my clients are struggling with because I have already been there. Already been there, already done that, got the hat. (laughs) So if this topic resonated with you, right? If this discussion about eating and feeling happy struck a chord with you, and you really feel like you eat just to feel happiness, I want you to know that three months of coaching could not only get you on the way to your forever weight, but it could also change your entire life. It could change the trajectory of your life. It will change how you interact and how you relate with food. It will teach you how you have control over your own emotional state. No food is needed for that, right? So I want you to think about what your life could look like when you're living life at your forever weight. This is what I experience, and this is what my clients experience who are at their forever weight. Living life at your forever weight means you know the difference between the temporary happiness that occurs with emotional eating 
And you understand very clearly the pleasure-driven happiness that can occur when you experience food freedom. Doing this work, getting educated about the foods you're putting into your body, getting a life, and getting coached are three things you can do to be on your way to experiencing food freedom and living life at your forever weight. Imagine having to no longer depend on food to change your mood and finding happiness outside of the snack cabinet. I work with a handful of private clients throughout the year. It is one of my favorite things to do each week to coach my clients. And if you're ready to take the next step to your forever weight, I want you to book a consult with me and let's just talk about what private coaching can look like for you. You can find the link in the show notes or just go to my website, jenniferdent.com. All right, y'all, live lux, and I will see you in the next episode. If you liked today's episode of the Stop Dieting Forever podcast, and you want to learn more about creating a lifestyle instead of following a diet to lose weight permanently, be sure to visit jenniferdent.com. There, you'll learn more about my unique weight loss process and how it can work for you. Go to jenniferdent.com to discover what you can do to stop dieting forever.